0: Oh, I love guilt. I love being aware of guilt and knowing its purpose and finding the way through. Guilt is a sure sign that our thinking is unnatural. And that is a quote from The Course of Miracles. And that is a channeled book, by the way.
1: Cons, it's Jen Spiegel, mama for serial entrepreneur and your business and lifestyle BFF. I'm here to build a community of like-minded women who are willing to dust themselves off time and time again. Through these stories in this podcast, you will be inspired and encouraged to do all that you can do to be the best version of yourself. Ladies, let's be icons. Welcome to today's podcast. I am really excited to share with you someone very special and near and dear to me. She's a friend, a personal friend, but also someone who has been in the work of helping me become a better version of myself. Kyla Erlinson is a breathwork practitioner and a certified self-empowerment coach. She's been working with women for 15 years, guiding them back to themselves by using the power of breath to reach their fullest potential. And this has been the focus of her work. Kyla is, a pas- is passionate about assisting women in building self-trust, self-love, and self-worth. Healing relationships with themselves has allowed her clients to experience the lives and relationships they desire. A quote from Muji Even if you become an astronaut and experience other planets, it will not be as good as discovering your own self here on Earth. Beautiful. Kyla lives in Canloops, British Columbia with her husband, Corey, and her two boys, Jack and Beau. They also have a family dog named Karma, which is so (laughs) suiting and
0: perfect for your family. And I am just so grateful to share you today, my beautiful friend. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. This is such an honor and I'm I'm so grateful. I feel very vulnerable. Oh, that's
1: good because we want vulnerability here and it's welcomed. So thank you. Um, we've been friends for a while and we actually almost birthed babies together. Didn't we? Our last we babies. Yeah. Very
0: I remember when together. You, you,
1: yeah, and you went into labor with Bo and I remember being so pregnant and be like, <laughs> why not me? But I think it, you went overdue. Didn't you? Uh-huh. I did. Yeah, yeah. I did. And I was, I think we had the exact same due date if I remember correctly. October
0: 26th.
1: Oh, I was 28. Okay. Was right. Close. So it was close, yeah, and uh, I felt really bonded to you through that experience because you were just such a great friend, and we could really lean in on each other in those last days of pregnancy, which can be hard. And we've also just paths across on many different occasions, and we've also been a part of a business together in the past. And so, I first of all want to just say you are one of the most beautiful, most intelligent, and aware people I've ever met and I I want to thank you for all that you're doing in my life and I just can't wait for people to better understand breathwork and your purpose in life. So maybe we could start with how this all unfolded. How did you get involved in breathwork in the beginning?
0: So when I met my husband, I was 21 and he was Undergoing his own self empowerment training, which at the time is a six month long intensive personal development training. And I was very curious about that. I wanted to know what that was all about, what it entailed, what the breath work part of it was. So I was very curious. And I believe he was 23 or 24 at the time. So being a young male, he had a really hard time describing what it was that he was doing. And especially because it's such an individual process, as you know, Jen, it's going to be different for everyone. Every walk of life is going to come in with something different. So I was very curious and I just stepped into having my own sessions. I think I had two or three and then the next personal development training was coming up soon after that. And I just jumped in. I was the most uncomfortable I had ever felt in my life. I couldn't pinpoint how I was feeling, why I was feeling that way. But I knew if I didn't start making any changes, I just felt like a part of me was dying a slow death. Hmm.
1: And were you involved in personal growth and development prior to that? Or was this your
0: first experience? It was my first experience. Okay my soul, my spirit, whatever you want to call it, was at that point just like crying out for some mentorship with my individuality and yeah.
1: Yeah, I feel such a part of you today, so it's hard to even imagine you without that peace, but I can imagine it must have been almost like an awakening moment.
0: It really was. It was, you know, I think I've gone through three or four extremely uncomfortable bouts of my life. You know, that's not true. There's probably been about eight, but four that I really strongly can think of the process. And um, that was a really big awakening process for me. I did not know how to have a relationship with myself. I didn't know how that looked. I didn't know how... I was supposed to care for myself. Yes, I was good at hygiene. You know, I knew how to take care of myself that way, I'd be clean, take care of my space, but I didn't know how to fulfill myself with an internal practice where I didn't need to look outside of myself. I was a very codependent in my relationship and that's where it showed up for me the most, where I was searching outside myself for that happiness, for that person to give it to me. And that is probably the most unwavering place you can ever put yourself, but I didn't know what codependence was. I didn't know my fears. I didn't know the emotions I was feeling. I wasn't aware of any of it. And it wasn't until I started looking at building that awareness within myself that I could start to develop and cultivate a relationship with myself so that no matter where I go in the world, I know that I can still find that peace within me.
1: Mm, and I, th- I think... Most of us are craving and yearning for that, but maybe unaware of how to find that within ourselves. I feel like sometimes that's the most uncomfortable relationship we have is the one with ourselves. Would you agree?
0: Oh, absolutely. I still have times like the past two days, I still had times of feeling like I wasn't enough. I was judging myself. I was having a hard time with my self acceptance. Like, I still have moments of like, I'm human. I still have disagreements with my husband. I still look at my kids and have moments where I'm like, oh my gosh, I am failing as a parent here. You know, I still have humanness. And those are places I get to look at and and look at where I can have compassion and forgiveness for myself instead of beating myself up. So it's always rerouting myself back to love, fear or love always be rooting back to love.
1: Is that something that people can pick up quickly? Like I, I listen to that and it sounds to me almost obvious, of course, like I'm in fear, move over to love. But I feel like that process and I've been working through it with you. It's not easy. It's obvious, but not easy. So what would be the first step of someone actually
0: moving towards love and getting out of fear? Awareness of your emotions. We are spiritual beings having a human experience, a physical experience. You've probably heard that before. And if we don't become aware of what's going on emotionally, you can always look to your body as the barometer and your body will always show you what's going on emotionally. And that's where, you know, Louise Hay is a really big mentor of mine. I refer everyone to her book, You Can Heal Your Life because that's exactly what she did. She healed herself of cancer, and I believe of MS. And so if we don't look at our emotions, our body is going to create dis-ease when we don't take care of those emotions, when we don't have the awareness. So one of the first things I do with my clients is I go through our five main emotions. Because without that awareness, it's going to be hard to move into love if you don't know if you're feeling angry, if you don't know if you're feeling guilty, if you don't know if you're feeling afraid, if you don't know you need to grieve and allow yourself some sadness. So everything with personal growth can sound sweet and endearing and lovely, but it's the hardest work I've ever done. Looking at myself has been the hardest thing I have ever done. And I still have really hard times because as we grow and evolve, there's going to be more things that show up. So it's not a one-time fix. This is an ongoing process. And I will see and have a mentor in my life till I'm on the other side. Mm -hmm. And without those mentors in my life, I don't know where I'd be. Without having someone on the outside looking in, sharing with me perspective, sharing with me different ways, pushing me to go outside of my comfort zone, but allowing me to go in at the same time and feel safe with my feelings and knowing that they are valid. I just don't know where I'd be without having some sort of emotional, spiritual coach in my life. Mm -hmm.
1: And I think that can be scary to some people because as you're saying this, it's beautiful and I'm there with you. So I'm, I'm on that side now where that's just going to always be a part of my life. But I know for a lot of people, it's scary because there's been things in our past and circumstances or relationships that have caused deep, deep wounds. And it's almost scary to want to go in there and deal with those. And what would be your advice to someone who's, Who knows? They have a lot of work to do and they have deep wounds, but they're afraid to talk about them or deal with them.
0: Well, I want to say to get a different result, you have to do different things. You have to do something different. And I think if someone is feeling the pain and trauma bad enough, there's going to be a place in their heart and in their spirit that is going to want to reach out. And do something different. Sometimes the pain can be so comfortable. Because we're so familiar with it. That it can be easy to stay in that. But there usually comes a time when. Especially with the evolution that we're going through. People will want to address it or they won't. Mm -hmm. They can stay in it or not. And that is such a personal Thing. you know everyone has different traumas and some can be really horrific so I don't know that there's a right answer for that mm-hmm. That's something you know I'll probably feel and think about after this and have a really good response <laughs> <laughs> but I think there it takes a lot of bravery and I think it takes a lot of courage and so, there's some people that have deeper hurts than others.
1: Yeah. And what what I'm hearing from you that I want to just review, because I think it was really, really good, is we can sometimes be so comfortable in the trauma. You had mentioned that, like so comfortable in being hurt, that that's where we want to stay because we know it. And I love too that you use the word brave and courage, because it is brave and courageous to want to work through something and come out as a different person, a more aware person. Um, and and sometimes too, I think it's scary just even verbalizing, even if it's with someone like yourself or a mentor, you know, oftentimes we're worried about even telling anybody that trauma for fear of judgment or embarrassment or blame on ourselves. Have you felt that with some of your clients?
0: I can tell you firsthand. I felt that within myself. Mm-hmm. You know, I had my own session a few days ago, and I felt really ashamed for the self-judgment that I had. I felt embarrassed to share the comparison that was going on in, within myself. That was not comfortable. And so from my point of view as a mentor for people doing work with me one-on-one is I go through my own process in order to serve my clients with love because it comes from a compassionate heart and it comes from a place of serving and it comes from a place of channeling love for that person. And so I think it's important for people to pick intuitively what kind of mentorship they want to receive and, you know, trying one way, if that doesn't work, knowing that there's other modalities to experience. And I'm not sure if I even answered that question, Jen, (laughs) (laughs) You did. It was
1: perfect. And I love too that you're just owning that vulnerability within yourself because I know, you know, even through our experience together, there's certain times where I'm like, oh, I don't even want to admit this out loud. I do. I have a sense almost of embarrassment. And sometimes it can feel so big in our minds, but yet when you verbalize it, it sounds so small, but you know, and you're trying to justify it instead of just, I think having that safe person, use that word earlier, safe person that you know will never judge that you know has your best intentions to help you through something. And I think really it's that no judgment zone safety that it's almost like a blanket. When I talk to you, I feel like that, like just like my cozy blanket is around me, and it's okay just to say anything, whether it seems small or big, because it's the uncovering of those deep feelings or beliefs that aren't serving me anymore that I can then become that person I'm, I'm really striving to be.
0: Mm-hmm. And I will never ask my clients to do anything I haven't done. So part of the training that I've had is I've gone through my own ups and downs. I've gone through my own experiences. I've gone inward, outward, everywhere. And that is what sets the mentorship that I have apart from lots of other modalities because I've firsthand experienced it and gone through it and come out on the other side. And so there's a lot of unraveling that occurs with spiritual awakening. It's our awareness, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And it's not a comfortable time. But the end result of coming through onto the other side is what makes it the best and is what makes me keep coming back and breaking through belief systems and breaking through family patterns. Corey and I constantly, that's my husband, recognize when things come up for us and when we're like, oh my gosh, this is my family pattern coming up in direct correlation with yours and this is the result we're getting and how can we look at this and do it different than our families did?
1: Yeah. And you know what? That's actually led me into something I really wanted to dig into with you is your relationship with Corey, because you said something to me, I want to say it was like almost 10 years ago about how you and Corey put your relationship at the forefront, how oftentimes it, we have our kids at, on the top of the priority list and our businesses and all those things we're trying to achieve. And our spouse or our partner It's the very tail end of what we have left at the end of the day and how you were actively pursuing each other. And you even forgive me if I'm incorrect, but I think you even mentioned that you were going to counseling together every single month, whether you needed it or not, because you wanted to be such a strong couple and family. And that was probably the most inspiring relationship advice I had ever received and I hang on to it to this day. So talk to me a little bit about that your marriage and some of the commitments you have to each other to make that the best it can be.
0: I feel like our marriage has been one of the biggest healing places in my life. It's where I've fully been allowed to be myself with my husband, but with that doesn't come all the great. So, you know, it's brought up intensities and intimacy barriers. And we are not perfect by any means at all. Like we raise our voices sometimes, like we probably correct each other in front of the kids when we shouldn't. And I share this because I'm, I just don't want anyone to think that I've got it all together. I'm still going through my own process here and still, you know, always striving to do the best that we can. So what was the question, Jen? <laughs>
1: <laughs> You're answering it. It's okay. No, I was, I'm just really curious about some of the practices the two of you have, because you were even just describing how your family patterns and his family patterns come together. And I think, I don't know many couples who are that aware or go, be able to stop and say, oh, wait, this isn't us right now. These are old Oh
0: yes and that is something over you know we've been together for 15 years and that's something over this time we have really been able to dial in where we can go in after something happens like a minute later and be like oh my gosh I was just feeling really afraid about this this is where it came from and and we can come together. So this used to be days and weeks apart, but now it takes us sometimes seconds, sometimes a minute to come back together. But I think speaking from my heart on this, because we've done so much work, we're constantly talking about our processes. And, you know, if you can imagine two life coaches living together It's, I feel extremely blessed because if I need a support person, well, I live with one. And we seem to balance each other like a yin and a yang. If one of us is is up or if one of us is down, I should say, I feel like the other one, you know, is got it together. And so we're able, you know, to lighten the load for the other one who's feeling low. So there always seems to be like a counter- balance for the two of us. And that's something we always share with each other too, is, oh, I'm so grateful you've got it together today, because I don't. And I feel so safe knowing that you've you've got today, because I'm not feeling so great. Mm. And even being able to voice that is special within itself. I feel like I have a very blessed life and marriage, but we've worked very, very, very hard to Mm. get here.
1: And that's where, you know, you can just be the evidence of when you put the work in, here is the result. And I think sometimes we think these relationships because they start with so much love and almost infatuation, you know, you're just, it's a newness and there's so many butterflies in our tummy. And we, I think a lot of us think that's going to last or this should be easy because we found the one where it really is daily work. But one thing I picked up on with you and Corey that I want to highlight is I noticed when you spoke about the, you know, balancing each other out, one of the things that stuck in my head, and I'm sure people listening in may have the same thought, is I can sometimes do that in a judgmental way. So, for example, if I'm having a great day, you know, I've, I got up, and I got dressed, and I'm working hard, and I got the kids together, and Mihao is not having a great day, sometimes, and not often, but there are times where I'm almost judgmental to that. I'm like, come on, like life is great. <laughs> Let's pick up the pieces. Let's get going. And I, I think you taught me something just even in this conversation of just blessing that he's having a day, and I... And privileged and honored to pick up those pieces for him in that day, because let's not be fooled. There's many days where he has to do that for me. And he has really graced me with patience and lack of judgment. And so I just wanted to work through that and and verbalize that here with you, because I don't think I'm the only one that can criticize a partner when we feel like we, the ego, feel like they're not doing enough or contributing enough.
0: Yeah. And I have definitely been on both sides. So I've been on the side where I'm like, oh, couldn't you have it together today? Like, I feel really great. Like, I would love to do something fun with the kids or, you know, be able to connect with you. And I'm able to take it to a place of compassion. And there's so much allowance when there's compassion. And you cannot have compassion For someone else, if you don't know how to experience that within yourself first. And so this morning, I was feeling a little bit, what's the word? I I guess I had some self-judgment going on. I wasn't sure if today was going to be enough for what my kids needed, for homeschooling and whatnot. And I was really able to tune into myself and find self-compassion. And I also listened to something that Glennon Doyle posted. And she allowed me to open up to have so much more permission for myself and my family life with what's going on right now. And man, I don't think we allow ourselves much permission. And I feel like the female species is really starting to scratch the surface on permission, self-acceptance allowance. And I can't even say breakthrough right now. I just feel like we're scratching the surface of our own awareness and breaking through some crazy patriarchal generational things.
1: Totally agree. It is just the beginning. And actually, maybe we could dig in because we, we, you and I've had some great discussions about Glennon Doyle. I'll make sure we'll add her into the show notes so people can check out what you're referring to. But I do want to discuss what gaslighting. We had a good conversation about that and how um, her podcast with Brene Brown, they were speaking about that. And you were so like, that was just one of the pieces that you really hung on to and felt really lit up about what would you explain gaslighting to people listening in and and how you feel
0: about that whole premise of oh she talked about universal gaslighting Mm -hmm. and she talked about how basically we shut ourselves down from living into our authentic selves whatever that look like because we should feel grateful and blessed to be where we are now instead of moving into those places. And her book is called Untamed if you're unfamiliar. And so the universal gaslighting is everything that females have been basically taught or shown to keep in this small box. And the term gaslighting is something I've just recently become more familiar with and something I'm exploring more. It's such an interesting concept of perceptions put on us, you know, and that can look so different in, in our society coming from a workplace or um, from your partner, but it's a, it shuts us down. It's, it's almost a form of abuse. So I would encourage you to look up that term on your own and, and dive into where you've been gaslighted, if that's even a term. Yeah, but I, I do, I just
1: I think as women for so long and we're, st- and let's just be real, we're still struggling with this a lot. Is that feeling of being okay with what we have and like, it, it's almost selfish to want more And, you know, for myself, that whole work from home has been such an internal struggle with really wanting to immerse and dive into my businesses. I I have such high goals of impact and just fulfilling all the purpose that I know I have, but then still feeling like I have so much purpose for my children and my family and that tug of war that can happen inside of me, I would say probably on a daily basis And that would probably come down to guilt, which you and I both know I carry a tremendous amount of, you know, I'm guilty of not being with my kids when I'm working. And then I feel guilty that I didn't get all my work done because I spent time with my kids and that I know I'm not alone in that. So what would you suggest is a great way of viewing that or or working through that for someone?
0: Oh, I love guilt. I love being aware of guilt and knowing its purpose and finding the way through. Guilt is a sure sign that our thinking is unnatural, and that is a quote from The Course of Miracles, and that is a channeled book, by the way. The whole book is channeled. So guilt is a sure sign your thinking is unnatural, and we operate from it hugely, And sometimes, you know, having the awareness that I have, I can still catch myself and be like, wow, that was a really deep layer of guilt I was operating from. Holy man, I can't believe I've been working with that for that long and it just came out now. So (laughs) there's so many layers of guilt. So guilt is going to show up in your body. I love teaching guilt. It shows up in our body as feeling nauseous stomach aches, stomach problems, things associated like IBS, it can also show up in your body as a headache. And the headache shows up that way, because it's a constant thought process of beating ourselves up thinking that we've done something wrong. And the purpose of guilt is for discernment. It's to look at our feelings and know, have I actually done something wrong here? So it's a place to look at your own integrity but it's also a place to discern and to really go into that guilt and guilt is going to stem from fear and to look at that guilt and say, is this guilt real? Is this actually logical? Is it true? Have I actually done something wrong? More Mm -hmm. times than not, we haven't done anything wrong, but there's such an ingrained belief system that we feel like we have. And women feel guilt tremendously more than than men in my perception, in my experience. I don't have any data to share on that, but that's just my perception. And the way through guilt is going to be taking a breath. Always take a breath. And it's going to be finding gratitude and giving Always know that when I'm in guilt, if I can give outside of myself, it takes me away from that hamster on the wheel of feeling that guilt. Because logically, I can tell myself, I know I'm not guilty for that. That is just like a false evidence showing up for me here. But that feeling can still linger. And when we can give gratitude, but mostly give, writing a out, sending a message, Dropping off something nice for someone, you know, extending yourself that's always going to allow you to remember that you have a contribution and raise your self esteem. And it's going to push you out of that guilt by taking yourself outside of yourself. Mm.
1: I love that you walked us through that. Thank you so much because it is a fear based emotion. But I love that you can sit, take a breath. And I want to actually dig into that next. Take a breath. And actually remember, did I do anything wrong? Did I do anything wrong here? Or is this a belief, an ingrained belief that, you know, maybe needs to be dealt with or just released? And also how it feels in the body. Because I think sometimes we just are going so fast through life and through the motions, we're not paying attention to all the cues we're given. So breath work for me was a very new idea. I have done therapy most of my life, as a matter of fact. (laughs) I love therapy. I think it's important. I think we need that person that we can just work through things that don't have an ulterior motive or judgment. It's just totally neutral. But breathwork was new and I wanted to explore that with you and it's been a beautiful experience. So could you maybe explain what breathwork is? Like what would somebody expect going into something like that?
0: Mm -hmm. Oh, I love the form of the breath. So I've tried different modalities and I'm always open to doing other methods of healing or looking at myself. And I always come back to the breath. Always, always. And it is so, so powerful. And what it does is it connects us to our subconscious mind, which houses family patterns, belief systems, conditioning, There's so much there, our deepest thoughts. And what it does is it releases stuck energies and belief systems that have been stored in our cellular memory. And we get to heal those on the levels of physical, mental, spiritual, and emotional. So our four main dimensions. And what it does is it teaches us to go back to our self-love, our self-acceptance, our self-worth. And the result is to be in harmony we're all looking to have internal peace to just be happy. I think we all just really want to have happiness in our life. And when we're in a place of love, that's when we create. That's when we see the truths in things. That's when we can discern the strongest. And that's when we get to be real and have the relationships we desire, have the careers we desire, have the creations we desire. So what happens in a breath session is I guide you in a meditative breath state all through your mouth in a very particular circular breathing method. And we use the seven energy points of your body, which are called the chakras. They assist us hugely in that part. And what happens is the body becomes so oxygenated, your blood becomes so oxygenated by this Very specific breathing method that you allow for a physiological cellular memory change. And basically, what is happening is you are changing the belief systems at a cellular level. And that's why it is so powerful.
1: And I didn't even know that's what we were doing. I just. (laughs) (laughs) I'll
0: let you know, though,
1: like people curious listening in who are, this is new to them, it is the most beautiful, calming peacefulness that I feel, but also that acute awareness of all parts of my body. And, you know, I had a health scare. Actually, it wasn't that long ago. My husband and I were just talking about it this week. It's been only five months and I was still supposed to be in recovery, but I'm fully recovered from it, thankfully. But the belief of my actual physicians, which was really what got me curious was they thought I actually had some work I needed to do in my chakras. And it was really interesting to have physicians tell me, I think you need to do some work on this and and go down this path because there's something going on in your body. That's not that your body's not doing anything wrong. There's something mentally like soul connected, mind and soul connected. And it was through chakra work that I firmly believe I healed myself at a really fast rate. Yes, there were other elements. I was looking after myself through diet and so on. But that was my first opportunity, I suppose, to really learn about chakras. And I started with Joe Dispenza. That was what who was recommended to me. And I remember actually feeling the chakras. And then now to have someone like yourself guide me through each of those things and putting love into my body through my mind and my breath is just
0: absolutely so powerful and beautiful. And I hope for everybody to have that experience, really. Me too, Jen. That's why I'm so excited to be on here. And I feel so vulnerable about it because of what this work has done for my life and how it's improved my life and improved how I feel about myself and how I feel about my life. And I just want everyone to have more ease in their life. I want everyone to feel their full potential and be able to go after what they want. And to know that self-confidence is not arrogant. Mm
1: -hmm. Self-belief
0: is not conceited. That the most beautiful thing a person can have for themselves is that belief and confidence. And this is where world transformation takes place is personally, when we raise our vibration, when we become more aware of ourselves. that is how the world is going to change. Mm.
1: You're so right. And, you know, I think anybody listening in who wants to up-level their lives, who wants to become the best mom, wife, business owner, stay-at-home mom, sister, daughter, whatever that may be, we have to know so much of this is reliant on our ability to become who we're meant to be and having a mentor like yourself or, you know, someone they can trust to work through this in a, in a way that just, it's enlightening. And when we're enlightened, I believe we are, can download things that are given to us that I don't think we would be, have the
0: ears or the wisdom to recognize otherwise. Oh, I love how you just described that. You, are, you can't be in a place of downloading and being open to that, that channel if, if you're not in a place of love. And there's so many women that come in and see me and, and they have this guilt about that they're selfish if they do something for themselves or even the word selfless. And I just think I cannot be the person who I want to be for my kids or for my husband, if I don't put myself first, if I don't tend to the things I need to with myself first, if I don't take that time, if I don't ask for what I need, mm. and why is it as women that we don't ask for what we need? What is oh, it's that universal gaslighting I was talking about that Glennon Doyle talks about? Yeah, it, it is. Think about the generations of women and what we've been shouted out to in the silent way of how we're supposed to be not enough too much of this too much of that like there's always a contradictory of something going on
1: mm. It's so true. Like I remember when I my first marriage and I got married, my aunt saying to me, I I couldn't receive it. I wasn't ready for information like this, but she had said to me, always ask for what you want in your marriage. Don't expect your partner to know that you need a hug or to know that you're feeling vulnerable and fragile that day. You have to tell them. And I remember saying back to her, I remember it vividly saying, well, that's not how I want to run a relationship. I want him to be able to see what I need. And if I ask for a hug, it doesn't feel as special. And running with my own advice, not taking hers, but running with my own. And that didn't serve me very well. But, you know, I do believe now as I've aged and matured and gone through personal growth and work is the more we can communicate our needs as a woman. And of course, in a gentle, loving way, the more everybody knows how to serve us and vice versa. Because don't, I believe our kids want to serve us as well. It's not a one-way street, that relationship. Mm -hmm. Like your children are still a little young, but with my teenagers, I know they want to know how to make mom happy or what makes me feel loved in our relationship as much as, you know, they want to receive it from me. We're at that point and it's a beautiful part of a relationship.
0: Yeah. Communication, hey. (laughs) and I I laugh because like it's just funny to me sometimes the way that I can perceive how I thought I was communicating but I wasn't really doing that at all Mm -hmm. and it was another layer that I had to look at within my communicating right I'm really happy that you're having that experience with your teenagers Yeah. I'm really noticing it lately. And I might be using you as a mentor when mine hit the teenage years. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Paving the way. If only we could figure it
1: out. Teenagers are a, they're like wildebeest. I don't know. They're (laughs) handful. (laughs) (laughs) but so was I. And I think that's what gives me the patience and grace with them is I was a handful and I was more of a handful than they are. And I think I feel really blessed You know, I could never really make sense of why I behaved the way I did sometimes as a teenager, but now I know how to use that to be for good in my life because it makes me a very understanding mom. I don't have like expectations on mood and so on because I know that changes minute by minute for a teenager. They're just trying to figure themselves out and it's, my mom
0: calls it no man's land where we just... Feels the unknown. I don't know what to do here. What worked yesterday might not work today. Yeah. I just (sighs) wanted to go back to that comment um, on the women, Mm -hmm. you know, breaking through some things. And I don't know that it's all going to be through a loving, gentle way. I think a lot of women are going to be breaking through with anger. I think there's going to be a lot of women coming through this with past things that have happened to them or angry for allowing themselves to stay within a certain box for a period of time. And I believe that the jet fuel that's going to come out of that anger is what women are going to use as their personal power to move forward. So it, it might not always look like it's going to be a loving and gentle way. I think there's, I see a lot of fierceness. I see a lot of standing tall, you know the image I get is like flames. I feel like the walls are going to be burning down, mm. and there's going to be a lot of jet fuel used to empower these women so you know what's interesting
1: as you say that is it gets me going like I'm jazzed up in my seat, visualizing that. maybe that's the way. I'm verbalizing the way I would like to. (laughs) Yeah. And that's great. That's totally great. But here's what's something that's interesting. We'll just work through this with everybody working through my, you know, my self-limiting beliefs. But then fierce is what I feel like I haven't allowed myself to fully become because I want to be that gentle, loving person That fierceness in me, I try to diminish and cover up a little bit. But you, when you were speaking about that, like it literally, my body language changed because that's what I crave from other women right now. And I think, to be honest, I crave from myself. So maybe I need to live and lean into that a little bit more.
0: And the outcome that we want is love. Right. Gentleness. And I think that's, we're going to rise I see the rising with like this flame of like burning down all these old belief systems and these kept places we've kept captive within ourselves, and that's what's gonna it's kind of like the phoenix right Mm -hmm. the flames turn into the ash and then you're reborn again so that's basically what a breath session is is a rebirthing you're doing it rebirthing of yourself every time you have a breath session. Mm.
1: I feel it. I feel sometimes high energy and then there's other times I feel very low energy. Mm -hmm. What would be the difference there?
0: In your breath session? Mm -hmm. Through like throughout the process of your breath or the before and after when when you're done?
1: There's been times where I'm really like I feel very energized, ready to go. Mm -hmm. I could go for a run and then there's times where I feel like, whew, my weight's been lifted off of me, but I feel like I need just to be you know, lying down in my bed, quiet time, quite the opposite of that energy I've felt other times. So what would that be?
0: Yeah, and it's gonna be different every time you have a session. Every session's gonna be very different. And there's a lot of emotional work. So depending what you're coming in with that session, what gets revealed, what gets uncovered, that can be very emotional. Hmm. And so the breath allows you to come to a place of peace, but there's still that letting go. There's still that emotional side to it where there's a lot more work still going on within you, even though the actual session is complete. Mm. And you might even feel that for a few days.
1: Yeah. Cause some of this is so ingrained. Like some of the things that you and I've been working through are so ingrained and, and I know it's going to take a lot of work. The nice thing is I'm so willing, I'm so ready and I, I almost have an intuitiveness about it. And that's one of the things I connect with you on. I feel like you're very intuitive. You wrote me a text message oh, a few years ago saying, I think you need to read this book. And I went out and got the book and I read it cover to cover in one day because I couldn't put it down. It was Love Warrior by Glennon Doyle. And it was exactly the book I needed at that exact moment. I remember actually crying when it was over because I was so emotionally attached to her words and her journey that I didn't want it to end. I was sad when the book was done. But talk to me about your intuition and how, how that happens for you. Is that something that you've grown into or is that something you feel like you've always had?
0: I think it's always there. I think we all have it. It's just a matter of tapping into it and allowing yourself to hear those things. So I take time daily to really connect with my divine guidance, to tap into my intuition, and I hear things. So some people hear things, they see things, and I may hear. So I get lots of knocks on my metaphorical door that I, I need to listen to, and sometimes it's really bizarre, like, switch a hairdresser. Okay, I heard that for months And it was very specific who I needed to go see. And I did that and there was a reason behind it. But I couldn't figure out why I kept hearing to go to this hairdresser.
1: Hmm.
0: So intuition. The work that I do is very intuitive. And there's never a planned out thing that's going to happen at your session. I can't plan out what's going to happen at any of my client sessions. I come in as a channel and I am teaching my tools that I know, but I'm working fully on intuition. Yeah, and
1: I'm really glad you said, I was hoping you were gonna say everybody is intuitive because I firmly believe that. I believe we are all infinite and our possibilities are infinite and our humanness almost puts like a, a brick wall here. Some people brick walls, some people just a wall, but that willingness to open yourself up and listen. And one of the things in meditation prayer, whatever ever someone practices, is we always want to do the talking. You know, can you help me get this? Can you help this person who's sick? Can you can you can you fix this? Help me. And we don't often just actually sit in quietness to hear and listen. And that to me, that practice, I learned it from Mother Teresa, her book years ago, but it was revolutionary for me, like to be able to actually hear. And you know, there were times where I thought, am I crazy? Is this actually like, am I hearing things or? But I've really embraced that now. I feel like I'm a very intuitive person because I've opened myself to that. And I'm grateful you told people that they could too. Oh,
0: thanks.
1: Yeah. Well, we have- yeah, go Sorry. ahead. Sorry. No,
0: you Can go, go ahead. ahead. I want you to ask. No, you, no, you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was just curious, like, what would you say to someone who's listening to this and going, I don't even know what they're talking about. I'm not intuitive. I don't hear anything. What would you suggest for them to open up, help open up that new world? Oh,
0: I love doing this in the bathtub. Mm, there's, no, there's no distractions. There's nowhere I have to be. I can just lay in that water and listening to yourself and asking questions in the tub is the most beautiful time, I think. So, and it's practice. It's practice hearing your own internal voice. It's practice hearing whether that voice is coming from your ego or spirit. And that's a whole another big conversation. So, you know, our ego is always looking to separate ourselves. That's its biggest motive is to keep us separate. And then there's, you know, you can call it spirit, divine, heart-centered. And so it's recognizing that voice. And if it's coming from a heart-centered place, if that makes sense. It does. It does. And how do you determine that. Like, I think sometimes people think they're going to hear this big, loud
1: voice saying, you should go to a new hairstylist. It doesn't work like that. <laughs> that would be great because it'd be so obvious. But how does somebody differentiate between
0: ego and heart-centeredness? The feeling in your body. And is it coming from love or is it coming from fear? If, one tip, if it's not coming from love, it's coming from everything else. If it's not love, it's everything else. And it's practice, it's getting quiet with yourself, it's doing meditation, it's doing breathing exercises, it's doing yoga. So it's going inside and that's where it can be the most uncomfortable because there's nothing outside of you, but all the answers are within. So it's noticing and recognizing that voice of your heart, Mm. voice of your heart, not your mind. Mm. So it's, it's creating daily practices. And when I skip my daily practices, I am not heart-centered. Let me tell you that. Like my ego grabs a hold of me and we're just riding a, a nice bike together down a shit road. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What are your practices? Meditation. I invoke my guides. I ask support from them. I listen to a guided meditation. My favorites are the recorded ones. They're really simple. Recorded ones from Deepak Chopra, and they are chants in Sanskrit and yoga. I'm really missing hot yoga right now. I miss that room. I oh, I am yearning for that that piece of my life, those are the main things for me. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And, and getting up before the kids, the family rise to do these practices before life greets us, because I feel like when we do that in the morning, especially that quiet meditation time, I love lighting the candle. That's just so sacred to me. I greet the day versus the day greeting me.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: there is a big difference.
0: So, I used to set my alarm and get up before my kids, and that worked for a little bit. And then my youngest, Bo, started getting up with me, and I would be like, ah, oh, shit, there it goes. <laughs> and then I just allowed things to unfold. He would come and cozy with me on the couch, and that got to be a part of my spiritual practice was connecting with him in the quiet of our house where we did nothing but cozy and breathe and look out our window. Mm. And what I started to do was just going to my internal self and note what I was grateful for and connect with those feelings and create an intention for my day. So my day doesn't always look like I get to wake up before my kids and do the reading and do the meditation and do the gratitude journaling. Most times than not, it, it doesn't look that way. But what I do in the afternoon, now that they're home especially, is I say, I'm going to meditate in my room. And after lunch at one o'clock or 1.30, I lay down and I do a meditation. Mm. And so that's my meditating time. And then I allow myself to have a little bit of a snooze too. And so I'm really all about rest and napping, Jen. My girlfriends <laughs> from high school know that I'm a napper. I've always allowed myself to nap. I will never give up my nap. And rest in the middle of the day is what I believe keeps us alive. We need to regenerate. We give and give and give all morning. We eat lunch and then we're supposed to keep going. I'm sorry. I don't operate like that. And I know my body needs a rest in the afternoon. And I know with talking with my other colleagues that do breath work, they do the same thing. They allow themselves to have a rest in the afternoon. And it doesn't mean it has to be an hour or a two-hour nap. And some days you might need that, but it's having a 20-minute rest, a 20-minute letting go, a 20-minute recuperating. And I know when I do that, I am so much better for the rest of my day. So when that saying goes on, I'll nap when I'm dead. Well, guess what? You're probably going to (laughs) die sooner because you didn't give yourself that rest. So give yourself that rest now. Yeah, and I think that's another part of my spiritual practice too, is allowing myself that rest.
1: Well, it's interesting because my dad has often said to me, He's one of my mentors for sure, but, um, you know, I do get up before the kids and I do appreciate though, what you said, cause there's times where the kids have gotten up too early and I use that as an excuse to not do my practice cause they're there right they're, But what a beautiful example as a mom to actually continue to do my practice and then to witness what that looks like and to be able to receive that in their own lives. So I, first of all, I want to thank you for that. That's a great example. But my dad's always said to me, Jen, you need a 15 to 20 minute nap in the afternoon. Every highly successful person allows themselves to rest. And when you do, you're going to hear guidance on the next thing to do. Sometimes we're so busy in the busy, we don't actually sit back and, and go, okay, your next step is this, or actually, this needs attention. So go over here and that clarity that comes through just calming yourself for 15, 20 minutes. In your day. So, thank you for bringing that up.
0: Yeah, you're welcome. I also want to talk about humor because I know if I did not incorporate humor into my personal growth, Mm -hmm. it would just suck without it. I don't know what else to say. So, being able to find some humor in my uncomfortable times or being able to joke with my husband and just be like, oh, I'm just it's just my codependence coming up today I just love you so much or you know whatever it is that allowing some teasing and some humor to lighten the load Mm -hmm. because it can get deep and it can get heavy but finding some humor within it is always a really nice place to like I'll find I'll be able to joke with my clients back and forth and. That is really nice. It when is. When we can allow some humor and the seriousness at the same time. And I think especially being able to laugh at ourselves, like we're funny people. We are just funny sometimes. And you're oh, right. Aren't we so interesting? We the really human are. is so interesting. The things we get afraid of and the anxieties we have when it's broken down and you can talk about it, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I agree. Okay, so let's talk about bringing this all
1: together. What your vision is for what you're offering people. Like what do you see in the next 5, 10 years for yourself where where this is all leading you?
0: I want to create a community of thousands of women that can love themselves and feel more days than not that they are enough. Mm. And women have the biggest effect to me. And, you know, that's not against any men or anything. I just feel women have such an incredible presence. We give birth. We're creators. We're of influence. We're nurturers. We're psychics. We're healers. We're so many things. And I feel like when I can assist women to reach their full potential, that we can get on this human life in this physical form that having self love more times than not. Yeah. That's my goal.
1: Mm -hmm. You're going to make that happen. You will. I have no doubt you touch people in such a deep, deep way. Where can they find you? What's the best way to, for someone to reach out to you and find you?
0: I guess I'd say Instagram. I'm working on my website right now. And another vision I have is being able to go to other people's retreats and be a guest and being able to breathe the students or, you know, whoever is there and for them to experience that.
1: Amazing. Well, I'll link your Instagram um, into the show notes so people can find you and reach out to you because I know you give so much value. And I love ending all my podcasts with this
0: question. And the question is, how is... Beautiful Kyla, going to be iconic today. Today, I'm allowing permission. I am making room for allowance to not have any rules today. Mm. And to note that we are doing this podcast during a pandemic where my husband and I are self employed. We're working from home, the kids are home. And if my kids need to watch two hours of TV, So that I can find some peace for myself today. That's how I'm going to be iconic. (laughs) And I'm not going to judge it. I'm not going to shame myself. And I'm going to do what I need to do to find some peace. So that I don't become a crazy parent. (laughs) You and me both. And it made me a little bit emotional when you said that. Because um, allowing myself
1: to not have rules is a very difficult thing for me. Like that when my heart went, Oh, I'm craving that. But my ability to not be doing all the time is, is quite, it's a challenge. And I, when you said that it was interesting because before we jumped on together, I thought, you know, after we do this beautiful conversation, I just don't want to have any to do's for the rest of the day. I just want it to unfold the way it will. And I, I don't know. I don't, you didn't need to give me permission, but I received that as permission to, to do the same. So thank you.
0: You're welcome. And I'll be really honest And my humanness right now is I needed that permission from someone else today. Mm -hmm. I needed to hear that permission and that's okay. Yeah. I'm not always going to have all the answers. I'm not always going to have it together. And that's why I create those mentors in my life. The ones that don't even know me. Right.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you for this gorgeous conversation and sharing your insight and heart. You are a beautiful soul. And I do also want to mention just before we close that anybody listening in who this really felt, you felt connected to Kyla, please know that Corey, her husband also does this work and they can do this work as couples as well. So it's one of those things, if you as a couple feel like you need to dig into some things, please do make reach out and and Kyla can direct you towards Corey as well. And I just, I think they have a beautiful gift and it's worth seeking and and being curious about
0: if, if this resonated with you at all today. Thank you so much for being on. Thank you so much. This was such an honor, a pleasure, a new experience. I have all the feels right now.
1: Thank you so much for being a part of this podcast. It really means the world to me. I would be so appreciative if you'd take one minute of your day and give a five star review and share this on your social media. You can find me on the gram or Facebook, and don't forget our website, becomingiconic.co. Ladies, stand taller today, roll those shoulders back, chin up, and go out and be iconic.